2: Welcome to Fantasy 5 Aside with me, Jim Campbell, on Football Ramble Daily. My guest today is a face and voice you'll know from BT Sports School, Premier League's FPL show, and of course, Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. Welcome, Jules Breach.
3: Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me. I'm quite excited about this, actually.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on, Jules. It's um, uh, it, it's it's going to be fun. So thanks for coming on. Uh, appreciate that. How are you doing today?
3: I'm not too bad. I'm I've got a cup of tea in hand, and I'm ready to go through my fantasy five-a-side team, which might throw up a few surprises. I'm sure there's a few that people aren't expecting.
2: Yeah, there's always uh there's always one or two that I'm I'm, I'm absolutely baffled by. So the uh, more of that, the merrier. To be honest, I'm, I'm I'm hoping for a team of that. So uh, obviously, Jules, you're uh, you're the player manager of this team, as is, mm. as is the brief that's been set <laughs> out. So um, wh- what sort of player do you see yourself as? Where are you going to be fitting in?
3: Well, I'm quite glad we're starting here, Jim, because uh, we start with the worst and hopefully we gradually get better <laughs> as we go through. Um, anyone that knows me knows I'm a terrible footballer. I'm I'm awful. Um, so it's hard
2: football, I, isn't it? I'm a terrible yeah. footballer as well.
3: I'm not good. I've never been good. And I've, to be honest, because I'm bad... I've never really tried to be good. I don't I know like. What you mean. I'm, I'm one of those people that if I can't do something, I'd rather just not try um, <laughs> because I hate losing and I hate failing at anything. So, um, yeah, that my my experiences of actually playing football are very limited. So, as player manager, um, I'm going to limit myself to the sidelines. I'll, yeah. I'll like to do all my talking from the bench and the technical area. And unless I absolutely have to play, then I'll have to come on, but.
4: See, I like I'm that hoping, straight I'm away. I,
3: I'm hoping I don't have to.
2: <laughs> straight away, that you're making a sacrifice for the team there, so I can see you sort of serious about you know these guys actually you know getting getting some wins and doing the best for the team, g'ing them up straight away. Because you're absolutely right. Like I, I almost feel bad for my teammates when I when I play five-a-side because I am I'm <laughs> uh, not a good footballer, not a natural athlete, shall we say. In fact, a friend of mine asked me to join his his team a little while ago, and I ended up playing. And he, he told me recently that his friends were angry at him afterwards <laughs> for bringing in a winger that was rubbish, and he said to, he said to me, "Well, you, you talk about football, so I figured that you know that would translate into you being able to see passes yeah, no. And no one else can see, and it's like doesn't work. Like that. No, no, that's not that's profoundly not how it works.
3: Yeah, um, same as same as me. I mean, if you if you give me a tennis racket and we can bend the rules a bit and say you know you can use a racket to hit the ball, I <laughs> might be all right, but." Anything with my feet, I'm terrible. I went to um, Brighton Pier recently with my nephew and the rest of the family. And you know, they have those games where you can put the football down and you have to shoot it into the hole and you get yes. teddy bears or whatever, get prizes for getting it into the hole as many times. Well, I was just, I was an embarrassment to be honest.
4: An <laughs> and did you have that same pressure? Like, come yeah. on,
2: Jules, you're the football one. You should Absolutely. be good at this.
3: Absolutely. Well, my brother is not really into football at all. My brother's like way more into his video games and all that kind of stuff. So he's never really been into sport. I've been the sporty one in the family, and he was like, "Come on, then, Jules, you could do you could do this." And I was like, "No, you'll definitely be better at me than this." <laughs> even though he doesn't watch any football he's not interested in sport in the slightest and he was way better than me so yeah when it comes to skills on the pitch i have none of them just save save the talking for me and leave that to me because i can i can do that pretty well i think yeah um so yeah i i would like to remain solely as manager if that's possible unless i have a point in the match where there's only one One player left on the pitch and I absolutely have to go on. Only desperate times will I be stepping foot onto the pitch.
2: Fair enough. So um, who have you gone for in goal?
3: Mm. So my goalkeeper, I have picked as the goalkeeper who got Brighton promoted to the Premier League in 2017. The one and only David Stockdale.
2: So, do you support Brighton, Jules? It's just I do. Like, I, don't think, I don't think I've ever heard you mention it. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs>
3: never, never mentioned it before.
2: <laughs> so, obviously, yeah, David Stockdale. He he's had a really, um, really interesting career, isn't he? And that, that must be something that really, with a goalkeeper in particular, when when, you, when your team achieves something massive, that goalkeeper is like, it's just someone you adore so much, isn't it? That absolute bedrock of that success, and I guess Stockdale must feel like that to Brighton fans, right?
3: definitely i mean that season that we went up he was arguably our player of the season uh, that year and that was really hard to pick because obviously in a promotion season the majority of the team played well but he yeah. was for me one of our standout players that year and all the fans like absolutely loved him he was he was immense we had such a good defense that year i think we had the best the best uh, defense in the league the season that we got promoted from the championship yeah. into the Premier League. And he was a big part of that. And he's just he's just a Brighton legend. And I think he'll always go down as one of those players and particularly one of our best goalkeepers of all time because of that season in particular, but also the season before that, which when we came so close to going up that year as well. Um, and yeah, he's just he's just a Brighton ledge, really. And 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 that year that we went up, he was just instrumental in in all of our good performances and we were built around having a really good defense. So yeah, yeah he was, he was just ledge for us.
2: I, f- I feel like as well with David Stockdale, if you, if you look at his career, I think he's a, uh, he's made 12 loan moves mm. um, and he's a couple of times. He's been at clubs a few times, I think whole city and Wigan Wanderers. And um, a lot of those loan moves were in some cases they were like seven weeks long or something like that, like really, really short. So the guy just wants to play and in yeah. five aside. That's ideal because he's not going to be <laughs> calling you up like 10 minutes before the game going, oh, Jules, I'm sorry. Oh, my boiler's broken. I can't, whatever, because <laughs> he can't be bothered. He's going to be the first person there.
3: Yeah, I think the weird the weird thing with David Stockdale is that he, he left Brighton in kind of strange circumstances because, as I was saying, he was one of our players of the season in that year that we got promoted to the Premier League. So everyone expected him to kind of stay on um, and and play for us in the Premier League. That was everyone's thoughts um and especially because he also had a bit of Premier League experience as well prior to playing for Brighton I think he was at he was at Fulham Mm. so it was one of those things where I don't know what happened whether you know the club didn't want him to stay or whether he wasn't keen to stay anymore or whether maybe he got an inkling that they were bringing in another goalkeeper and he wasn't going to be first choice so so like you were saying Jimmy just wanted to kind of He wanted to play football. He wanted to play every game. And maybe he just got an idea that 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 wasn't going to happen in the Premier League for whatever reason. So yeah, I completely agree with you that he is that sort of dedicated character that wants to play every game. And I got to know him quite well over the years because when I was um, working in local radio and also working for the club as well, it was it was before I was fortunate enough to be working in football full time. I actually used to work as a hostess at the Amex in right. in some of the hospitality lounges. So I got to the players, sometimes the player of the match would come up into the lounge and we do it, the, the host in the lounge would do an interview with the player. So I got to know quite a few of the players over the time at the club, but also through my local radio station as well. We used to do a few interviews and stuff with them. And so I got to know David over the years and we became friends on social media and I remember messaging him that summer and saying to him what's going on like I'm I'm hearing that you're not like signing a contract and, and he said to me you know like it just doesn't that it's not like it doesn't like feel right or and like he was oh, just wow. saying like it, you know like I don't feel like I'm gonna play and and all that stuff so yeah so then he ended up leaving which was a real shame because yeah because yeah, we it, we all absolutely loved him.
2: It did seem as well like for a player that had had a bit of a nomadic career with all those loan moves that he'd found a home at Brighton especially yeah. you know when he'd been promoted and um I don't know maybe he just likes the drama because I think <laughs> he's been involved in in so many different sort of promotions and relegations across those various loan moves. I like mm-hmm. I know he played for Leicester on loan and they became they were champions of League 1 uh during that season and he went back to Fulham. Made his Premier League debut, debut and was the reserve goalkeeper in the Europa League. Then he went on loan to Plymouth, who were relegated that year. He was then promoted with Hull and then with Brighton. Maybe thought, you know what? I think Brighton might stay up, so this isn't for me. I need a bit <laughs> yeah, he's of drama. Like, you
3: know what? I want to go down again. I want to get relegated. <laughs> um, yeah, th- it's it's a weird one. Like you say, he's 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 a proper travelled footballer, isn't he? He's been he here, is. there, and everywhere, and and also spent very short times at clubs. And I think right now he's gone. So he's actually at Birmingham. But I think even in his time at Birmingham in this spell, he's been on loan at a couple of different places. I think he's at Wickham at the moment, isn't he? So yeah. it's, it's, it is a strange one. But I, I think the reason why Brighton fans loved him so much and is in those kind of three, three or four years that he spent with us was because he came in when it was not a good time. You know, he yeah. came in when... We were under Sammy Huppier, I think, was the first manager he played under, and um, you were the perennial
2: nearly men as well, weren't you at that time? Yeah,
3: exactly. And then obviously Chris Houghton came in, and he came in when we were in the relegation zone. And David Stockdale was our goalkeeper at the time, so he's been through it through a lot with with Brighton and with the Brighton fans and I think to to go through that journey and that kind of struggle of going from being the relegation zone to then getting promoted to the Premier League mm. he's definitely a, a goalkeeper that won over a lot of the Brighton fans hearts and and yeah and he's just he just seems like an all-round good guy actually yeah a I've heard that
2: as well I know that Luke's met him before and has very good things to say about him but as his manager are you a bit concerned about this nomadic nature that he might get a loan move to a different five-a-side team or, you know, like, oh, I'm going to play golf for a bit now? Are you, are you concerned about that or do you, do you trust him, especially after you've been hurt before in the past?
3: Well, I think uh, I'd be most concerned about his He's – he's got a tracksuit company, I think. Right. <laughs> I think that was one of the, the more recent things I saw that he um, – yeah he owns a tracksuit company so that would be my biggest concern is that maybe <laughs> you'd want to go off and uh, start selling more tracksuits although yeah. the good thing with that is that our whole squad would get some free trackies which you know, is true
2: you and got, you've got,
3: you got to weigh up the costs of these things jim take so over the park as well there.
2: yeah train over the park trackies for goalposts
3: <laughs> exactly exactly
2: So uh, we're going to move on to your your first outfield player, and uh, you've gone for one of the most high-profile players to ever play for Fleetwood Town. <laughs> it's Steve McNulty, hero. Absolute Do you want to give hero. a give a little bit of background on who Steve McNulty is? As he's not really a household name, is he? It's fair to say.
3: <laughs> well, to be fair, Steve McNulty is a bit of a cult hero, footballing legend. Very much. Um, the the reason I've the reason I've picked him is because without giving away the rest of my team I've gone fairly top heavy so I I've gone for one midfielder and two forwards so I needed yeah. to go uh, my my one defender that I've picked I had to make sure that he could manage the task on his own and Steve McNulty one little quick Google of him and you'll know exactly why I've picked him he's yeah. an absolute unit it's um, incredible. But the thing it's is, an amazing, it's an amazing thing that he is a professional footballer, but he is the perfect example, Jim, of do not judge a book by its cover.
2: Oh my God, so much so. He's like a tank with a Rolls Royce engine in it. Like you, you see a picture of Steve <laughs> McNulty and he's he's got that combination of a stocky build, grey hair and black eyebrows that makes a man look like <laughs> a badger, right? And you, exactly. you have a certain idea of what a lower league footballer that looks like that would play like, but he... It, all of his football is on the deck. It's really calm. He can he can do things that look flash, but are actually back, very, yeah. oh, so much so, so mm. much so. But there's a real functionality to to what he does that isn't, functionality maybe sounds like I'm damning with faint praise, but like he he will very quickly get the ball from A to B. And if that means he needs to nutmeg someone or do a little quick turn and just like knock it along the deck, then he will do that. And he, he, he also looks a bit like Big Mad Andy, the unpredictable decorator <laughs> from Peep Show. It's quite niche, but um, if you oh know it, gosh. he really
3: does. 100%. The thing is, though, is for, for a guy of his size, and I, we're not saying he's, you know, ridiculously big, but for a footballer, he yeah. doesn't have the traditional build for, you know, your standard footballer that you see in the football league. He moves so well for, for a player of his size. And the yeah. the reason I discovered Steve McNulty, the legend, is because one of my friends is actually a Tranmere Rovers fan, diehard Tranmere Rovers fan. and Is it Mike he- Dean? It's not Mike Dean. Gosh, no, I'm no. not friends with Mike Dean. I wish I was. <laughs> I wish can I was. You,
2: can you be? That's the thing. Does Mike Dean have friends or just people he tolerates? I guess we'll never know.
3: I might try and become friends with Mike oh, Dean. I, do. I, I, I'd I'd say I'm like, I'd say I'm friends with Peter Walton because of the work that we do on nice. on uh, BT Sport together. So I wonder whether Peter could introduce me to Mike Dean and one. Ne, you never know. One day. Yeah. It's the first. One day uh, we can get him on the Ramble.
2: First fantasy five aside with homework. So <laughs> off you go.
3: <laughs> exactly, um, but yeah, my mate is a, is a Tranmere fan, and um, a few years ago he said to me, "I want to get a big group of us together to go to the to the playoff final." So it was it was the year when they played Forest Green at Wembley in the final. Mm.
2: And wh- so, which team was this? Sorry, oh Tranmere of course.
3: Tranmere, yeah, Tranmere. So it was when Tranmere played Forest Green in the National League playoff final, so for a place in the football league. So he got about I think there was about twenty of us that ended up going, all supporters of different clubs but his his dad actually lives in Spain and his dad flew over from Spain for it and so there was a big gang of us we all went along to Wembley had a absolutely brilliant day out it was gorgeous sunshine obviously like end of May sort of time and he was just absolutely brilliant anyway so we went to the playoff final and and my mate said to me watch out for big Steve McNulty and I'm like who's this Steve McNulty guy (laughs) and when he walked out onto the pitch I thought are you serious? Yeah. This guy's a footballer. Like, this is amazing. And after that day, I was just so intrigued to find out more about him. So I ended up kind of looking into his career a bit and he's got an incredible story. Because he actually signed for Liverpool's Youth Academy when he when he was younger and he and he played through the youth academy at, at Liverpool. So he he had an incredibly promising career from a young age, but he sort of just fell out of love with football and ended up going back to I think he was like a furniture deliverer for wow. for a few years and and, and he stopped playing football for a while because he just fell out of love with it. It's amazing
2: that margin, isn't it? That yeah. You can go from from Liverpool's youth side, which is obviously yeah. a huge deal, to just a normal job at mm. that really crucial time.
3: And also just to to kind of to fall out of love with football, I find that quite incredible to understand yeah. for, for, for a job that's dedicated. Yeah. And, and yeah. But also for a for a job that takes so much dedication fitness wise and and everything about it, you know, leaving your family behind, all of those kind of things that we kind of forget sometimes to then fall out of love with it, go back to doing something completely normal and then deciding a couple of years later, do you know what, I want to get back into football now and that's that's what, what happened. I think he went to Barrow first and then he started working his way up, met Mickey Mellon and then he started playing for him at Tranmere, and, and then the rest is history and now he's just become a bit of a legend and another one of my mates is a, is a big Luton fan it's my my best friend's husband and he's been following Luton since he was a kid and he just he has told me some amazing stories about McNulty at at Luton he said that you know they'd be in the pub beforehand and the away supporters would be saying like have you seen the geezer that plays at your (laughs) back for Luton like he looks like a Sunday league player and all this kind of stuff like and that is the truth is that if you saw him that is what you would think but actually when you see him on the pitch he's quite an impressive footballer. He really,
2: really is. I I would, you know, I obviously didn't know a huge amount about Steve McNulty beforehand. So you bringing him to to this table is how I've learned this lesson myself. But honestly, if you're listening, give him a Google. He he plays the ball on the deck so well. He's a really silky, calm player. And he, he, you know, he does not look like uh, that's what you're going to get from him. at No, first glance. no, it's, it's great pro- and more power proper, to him. A leader
3: as well, Jim, isn't he? Captained every club that he's been to yeah, pretty much. And... I think he's
2: been promoted six times with four it's clubs. Amazing.
3: Which it's is amazing. It's amazing. He's still going now. He's thirty-six and he's still going. He's not. He's not a Tranmere anymore. He's dropped down into I think National League North or something like that. So he's not quite playing in the football league anymore, but. What a, guy, what a guy. What a guy. And I think indeed. he'll do a job for me at the back, Jim. He really I, will. I put my faith in him. He, he'll yeah. stop anything.
2: I, th- I think so. So, I mean, obviously, going for a one man defence is quite a risky move. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> Steve McNulty's probably the man for that in this situation. But you're going to need some, some quality in midfield ahead of him. So, who have you gone for as your solo midfielder?
3: Mate, mate, this is a good one. This is no cult hero. This is this is one of the best footballers to ever grace the earth. Steven Gerrard.
2: Stevie G. I'm surprised Stevie he's not come up before, to be honest. Uh, have
3: you seen him in anyone else's team yet?
2: No, not yet. What? Yeah, I know. I'm surprised. But I no mean, the, he, he seems an obvious one for me because there are many tropes of the five-a-side player, the typical player. And one of those is the guy that tries to do everything himself. And you might as well pick someone who could actually do that if Literally you're going to fill that anything. role.
3: Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I don't even know where to start or what to say about him, but he is, he's my favorite footballer of all time. He's just an absolute legend of the game. And he's a player really that made me discover football properly.
2: Wow, what, yeah. what do you remember? The first moment that made that happen?
3: Yeah, so it's actually <laughs> it's actually quite a funny story. So, um, the reason I got into football was through my dad. My dad's a Middlesbrough fan, and my dad is a proper borough boy, working class through and through. You know, like mm. all he knew as a kid was just watching football, and. Unfortunately, my dad didn't make me a Middlesbrough fan. Or actually, should I say fortunately? Should I should probably, probably say, say fortunately. Say fortunately. <laughs> um, but my dad always watched football in the house and I was always into tennis. So I actually played tennis when I was growing up. And so I was always really sporty and liked to sit and watch any sport on telly. And, and dad was obviously a massive borough fan so used to watch a lot of football and one day my dad was watching a game and he said to me oh I've got the same and I, the thing is is I was never I liked it I sat there and watched football with my dad but I was never like a proper like properly engrossed with football and this one day my dad said to me oh there's a there's a player that has the same name as me and I said oh who's that and he went that one there in the middle of the park Steven Gerrard I was like what and my name, my dad's name is actually Stephen Gerard as well. Wow. So I know. So that was basically how I got introduced to Stephen Gerard. It's my dad's middle name. So my dad's first name is Stephen, dad's middle name is Gerrard. So ever since that day, I was like, oh, who's this Stephen Gerard guy? So anytime Liverpool were playing, my dad would say, Oh, look, I'm on the telly again. And like it kind of became a little bit of a of a joke that Stephen Gerrard was my dad. And every time he'd he'd play, I'd watch him. And obviously, because he was an incredibly gifted footballer. I just started watching him and following him and following Liverpool a bit. And Mm. it wasn't until really the 2005 Champions League final. We sat there and we watched that Champions League final together. And that was the match really that made me properly fall in love with football. After that game, which was just the most incredible football match ever, I think. It
2: really was, wasn't it? Yeah. I think younger younger listeners who maybe have hazy memories of it, I feel for you missing that. Mm. Did you watch it at home, did you say? Because it's one of those things I yeah. remember where I was where I was and who I was with.
3: Yeah. yeah. We were watching it at home and that just everything about that it was just gripping. So gripping and so emotional. And you know, my dad's not my dad's not a Liverpool fan, but we were just sat there and we were both just like this is absolutely mental. And yeah. after that, I started to follow football a lot more closely because there was something about that game that just kind of captivated me and Oh
2: totally. Uh- I've it's, just got
3: a, a whole lot of love for that entire Liverpool team because of the nostalgia yeah. of that very day, watching that football match, and and the kind of feelings that it gave me, and the goosebumps that it gave me watching it. it I'm, f- I'm feeling amazing. it
2: now, even remembering yeah. it, because I think this is. I think this is probably why a lot of people get into football over sun, summer tournaments because you get games like that quite a lot. Even if you know, even if England go out in glorious failure as they've done so so many times, because yeah. you get bitten by how dramatic it feels, and you. Feel like you know what? The next time this happens, I want to have earned it. I want to know mm. everything about these guys. I want to know who these players are, and I want to know every single thing. And the Liverpool game uh, was was like that. I, I remember, unless you support Everton or Man United, I, was, I, I think everybody was supporting Liverpool that night. However, yeah. you know, whatever opinion you might have of them for whatever reason, otherwise, I remember watching it with a friend of mine at a pub in Bank, and a mutual friend of ours texted us at half time to say, and he supports Spurs, the most right. partisan Spurs fan you'll ever meet, and he just said. Liverpool are going to win. And we were like, "Really? maybe they are, but it, there was this sense of it. And yeah. it, it was something else.
3: It was is, it is just an in- incredible game. And I, I remember just all the feelings watching that and just thinking, this is why I want to now follow this 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 amazing sport. And yeah. that, was, that was the game that really made me fall in love with football and just make me want to watch it every single week in the hope that I get to see more moments yeah. like that and and it was it was obviously because Steven Gerrard was that player that made me love football in the first place and then he was involved in the most incredible game it just made me think oh this guy like he's just amazing he's so gifted and mm. and what he can do for the team and then obviously he played for England as well so then as an England fan he was then my favorite England player as well so through the years he's just been that footballer that's kind of been a constant in my life if that makes yeah. sense. Um, I, I, uh,
2: I, I love the way you could turn a game as well. the, the FA Cup final against West Ham. I remember yeah. watching it with with friends of mine who all support West Ham and even when like he scored that late goal they were all just like I mean what can you do about Steven Gerrard when he's in this kind of mood. <laughs> like he, you he know really what, was. Well,
3: there's there's something about a player that can score a goal from long range. I don't care what team you support. You you can you can hate The team you can you can hate the player, but if they score from long range, there's something about it that just makes any fan of any club just go, oh, yes, that is amazing. And and Steven Gerrard had that ability to just score from all sorts of areas on the pitch and hit the ball with so much power. And and they're the sort of things that excite fans. And and he was one of the players that could get fans excited. And I I just love him. I just think he's unreal. I
2: believe one of the best goals he scored might have been against Middlesbrough. So, a sort oh, of half really? volley that curled into the top corner in a really satisfying way. That must have been a funny one for your dad. But, yeah, but um, I'll,
3: have to, I'll have to ask my dad about that one. I can't remember that.
2: Yeah. So you've got Stevie G tearing up in the middle of the park,
3: uh, trying to do hero. everything
2: himself, probably yeah. succeeding, let's be honest. Yeah. So yeah. who have you got in front of him?
3: All right. Well, I've gone for two strikers. Um. Bold. Uh, yeah, and, and, and both getting on a bit now as well. <laughs> but I, I've got faith in them. In fact, all my all of my team are pretty old, apart from Stocko and goal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've gone for two strikers, Glenn Murray and Michael Bridges.
2: Michael, I said earlier, there's always someone that comes up. Michael Bridges was... Uh, was that one in, in this occasion. Let, well, let's start with Glenn Murray, you, though. Jim. No, I mean, it's not it's not as if I have a list of, of players written down that I am expecting. Mm. But, <laughs> but if I did have, Michael Bridges would absolutely not be on it. No. Um, but before we get to him, should, should we start with Glenn Murray? Obviously, he's a bit of a cult hero at Brighton.
3: Of course. My favourite Albion player of all time. He's just... He's the one. Brighton legend. Obviously... He's played for us on a couple of different occasions. We won't talk about that little move away that he went to Palace because well, that see, disturbed I, a lot of
2: fans. I really want to ask you about that, though. So mm. I'm, I'm just going to make you uh, talk about it, if that's okay. Because he ran down his contract to join Palace, then went on to score loads of goals against Brighton for yeah. for Palace, yeah. and then obviously did the same for Brighton against Palace later yeah, on. Like, how that's was great. that as a fan? <laughs> that must have been a, such a strange thing to have to get behind him again and was it sort of I don't know was it one of those things where it's like oh, I it all turned out for the best in the end or like, how well you...
3: now yeah now we can say that but I remember at the time because when he came back to Brighton in it for his second spell he first joined on loan and I remember thinking what like what, what yeah. are you doing why is he coming back here like what's going on there but obviously we all know his talent and we all know what a prolific goal scorer he can be. So, and we needed someone, we really needed, we needed another goal scorer at the time. So there were a lot of questions being asked. A lot of fans were a bit baffled, but I think ultimately it's kind of like, well, he's chose to come back to us and if he's going to score goals for us, Mm. then we'll take him back. Do you know what I mean? So I, I think it definitely took a while, but like anything in football, the minute they score a goal for you, that's it. You forget about totally. the past. You forget You forget what happened at Palace. You forget who else he played for and you just think, well, he's here now. He's playing for us. He's going to bang in the goals. So let's forget what happened. And I think that if you ask any Brighton fan now, they'd say all of that time at Palace is forgotten. And if anything, it kind of just makes for a funny story. <laughs>
2: it does. Does it make it a little bit better because when he came back to Brighton he, he scored the winner to knock Palace out of the FA Cup and yes. then scored his 100th Brighton league goal in a 2-1 win over Palace at Selhurst Park. So I mean that's is that all the sweeter because he played for
3: Palace? 100%. 100%. The only the only thing is I'd love to see him Properly celebrate and properly go for it, and just be like, "Come on!" Um, but I think I think a lot of players are a little bit more respectful, aren't they? They they yeah. uh, they don't like to be like that against their old clubs. But you know, it it does make it sweeter. It does. He's he's the sort of player that he can score in any game. And that's why we love him, and that's why that's why he's in the team.
2: Murray, he's really worked his way to the top, hasn't he? Started in, in started right at the bottom of the pyramid. He, he played mm-hmm. in America for a bit as well, he and did, yeah. no wonder he's he's still going at thirty six years old. I'd want to savor it as well if I if I'd gone up to that. Okay, if I'd worked all the way up to the Premier League, because even you know even in the Championship, it, there were questions not just over could he you know could he cut it in the Premier League, making the transition from the Championship, but you know his age would would, would the, yeah. the pace of it and the rigors of it be too much? much but but apparently not and that is a that is an excellent thing and i think as well in this team realistically with the team you've got every <laughs> it's all a foil for it's all <laughs> a foil for stevie g isn't it is <laughs> is what i'm saying and obviously Glenn murray's going to be a poacher he's going to get you goals but his hold up play is important as well Absolutely. and for, for gerard bombing on behind i think i think you've got a nice foil there
3: yeah he could be he's he's our target man in the team and i think that you need that you need that you need that target man that you can you know, get the ball up to, but also someone that can hold the ball up, like you say, for the second striker in Michael Bridges. And I think that Glenn is just, he's hes a different type of striker, isn't he? And I think that, I think that that old fashioned target man is now becoming fashionable again. So I quite i quite like having Glenn in my 5 side He's 36, but it's fine. He's proven He's in good that, shape. Yeah, he's in good shape. And, and in terms of reality, rather than my 5 side team- I want to see him keep on scoring for Brighton because I want him to get the all-time record. He's, I yeah. think, he's 12 off the all-time top scorer for Brighton now. So uh, yeah,
2: let's hope, tight. Let's That's hope he
3: surpasses it. But he's going to need another season, isn't he? So let's hope we stay yeah. up this year um, and he can get there.
2: So let's move on to Michael Bridges. Um, <laughs> I would just... Tell me everything about why you've chosen Michael Bridges. I'm fascinated.
3: So as you can tell with the most of my team... I've gone heart overhead. I've not really. I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've not picked a team full of uh, full of excellent players at the top of the game, should I say? Um, I've just picked. I've, I've mainly picked players who I like for nostalgic reasons. Um, and Michael Bridges is one of those. Um, obviously, he he was a brilliant striker in his day and had a lot of promise as as a as a young English player. You That's did. not why I've picked him. I've picked him because we're really good mates. <laughs> oh, um, right. We, we, worked, we worked together in Australia on the World, the Men's World Cup 2018. Um, and he's just a top bloke. And I just thought, I want to put him in my team because I think he'd be a right laugh. He'd boost morale. Mm. Um, and also he can score a decent goal as long as he doesn't get injured. Yeah, uh, which exactly. Which has been his biggest issue.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're going we're gonna to give him the benefit of the doubt given that none of this is actually real. So hypothetically exactly. in this situation, he's, he's in good shape. He's in good shape.
3: Very um, good shape for a 41-year-old, yeah. Yeah.
2: So he's, he's another journeyman. And I know there's a, you know an, an outside reason for you picking him. But there's a lot of journeymen in your team. Is there, is there any particular <laughs> reason for that, do you
3: think? coincidence I think Uh, I didn't plan that at all Jim (laughs) (laughs) I think I just I went through and thought well who have I got good stories about who can I pick uh, and I can tell a good story about yeah no to be fair Bridgie has played for a lot of clubs in fact it's a bit of a reunion as well with Glenn Murray because they played together at Carlisle right yeah so Glenn Murray and Michael Bridges played together for a while at Carlisle and I think it was when Glenn was quite a bit younger um, but when Glenn came into the team at Carlisle, Bridgie was already there, and apparently Glenn Murray used to make coffees for Michael Bridges. Wow, what a story that is! I can't
2: imagine like young players do that anymore. I mean, no. you know, I have no insight into that, but so maybe they do. But um, it's I also just, it's don't weird.
3: reckon Glenn Murray makes a good cup of tea or coffee. I don't know oh, why.
2: Shots fired.
3: I don't think he what, makes a good cup of tea. I what, don't know what it, why. What
2: type of cup of tea do you think he makes then?
3: I reckon even. I reckon he's just a quick, you know, teabag in the mug, water yep. in, quick little stir, takes teabag out, puts the milk in. Whereas mm. I, I reckon Michael Bridges leaves a leaves a teabag in for a good three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth am i talking about uh, to be fair uh, i do i do <laughs> i do know that bridgie does make a good cup of tea because he made me quite a few when we worked together yeah um he's a proper geordie isn't he so he well, knows it, how to make a good brew
2: is there not an argument that he's learned everything he knows about tea from glenn murray if glenn murray used to make uh, it for him
3: true. Or I, true it
2: could go the other way he could be so horrified by by that style of tea that he's had to (laughs) sort of go for his own type. I personally, I'm not a fan of someone leaving the bag in or it being too milky. Other than that, I'm sort of, I'm I'm kind of non-fussed about. um, Really, You know, some people get really angry about tea being made in a certain way. The same people that pretend they get angry about pineapple on pizza. I uh, (laughs) I can't, I can't, I I don't, tea's good, isn't it?
3: I like pineapple on pizza but I am one of those people that gets angry about a rubbish cup of tea.
2: Okay so what's it's the be a, worst it's be type? Got a
3: proper brew. I hate like a weak a weak so cup of tea.
2: The 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 kind of cup of tea that you you assuming Glenn Murray makes like just yeah, slightly in
3: And I've got absolutely no reason to think that because he's never made me a cup of tea. I have worked with Glenn a couple of times. He came into BT Sport a couple of times and he's absolutely lovely. So Mm. I feel really bad about dissing his his tea making ability. But uh,
2: Maybe, you know, another bit of homework. See if you can sit down with Mike Dean over a cup of tea made (laughs) by Glenn Murray.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that would be great. Imagine. But yeah, yeah, no. Glenn, Glenn... uh, Glenn can hopefully prove me wrong one day and make make me a decent cup of tea. We'll see.
2: Yeah. Oh, actually, there's something else I wanted to say about Glenn Murray. He mm. uh, scored one of the goals uh, that helped Brighton beat um, Liverpool 3-1 at Anfield in Steven Gerrard's final game. So, are you worried there might be a little bit of tension there or are they both professionals mm. and would they overcome it?
3: I think they'd overcome it. I think with the, with the amount of clubs, as you say, that Glenn Murray and... Michael Bridges and all the rest of my team have played for barring Steven Gerrard. I think they're quite used to seeing old, older opponents that they've beat or, you know, come across in their time. I think they'll be fine. Plus, Steven Gerrard's a legend. Glenn Murray yeah. will be absolutely fine playing with him. I don't Fair think there'll enough. be any problem there whatsoever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so with Michael Bridges, it's it's an interesting one because he had that season where he scored 19 goals for Leeds and he really did look like he was going to be something special. But then injury mm. just curtailed his career, really, didn't it? He, he's a real... He is, unfortunately, one of those players where we never got to see what he could have done if he'd had a proper run of fitness. And it's it's a real shame. But um, he is one of those players that is kind of looked back on fondly despite that, you know
3: definitely and 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 strangely enough well, I think one of the only players that's played for both Newcastle and Sunderland he's also is, played
2: for both Newcastle really? United and Newcastle Jets I don't I know, know if that counts for something but I, I think feel it does. should
3: and do you know what he actually lives in Newcastle in Australia well so so we moved from Newcastle in England to Newcastle in Australia <laughs> I, rem- I remember when when I met him and I said to him oh so because we were actually um where we were put up for the for the World Cup filming in in Oz, we were actually all staying in Bondi, and it was it was hilarious. So it was me, Mark Schwartz,er and Michael Bridges, basically all had little apartments in this little block on Bondi Beach, and it, it all sounds a lot more glamorous than it was. We were basically on and slightly ships. surreal, it's so surreal. It sounds so, like the start of a dream. It was the weirdest experience, mainly not because I was in the same block of flats as them two. But because I didn't actually see any daylight for about six weeks so and this was whole... in Australia
2: as well Yeah, Famed exactly. for its daylight
3: I remember I remember when I got the gig and I was told we're going to fly you out to Australia you get to stay on Bondi beach for six weeks and you'll be yes. presenting the World Cup I thought this is the absolute dream got out there and then quickly realized that obviously I was going to be hosting the matches mm-hmm so I'd be working on Russian time zone from <sighs> Sydney, and I thought, oh, what the hell have I got myself into here and so yeah I, I I basically my call time was midnight every night so i'd i'd get I'd get to the studio for midnight and I was covering the games that kicked off at three a m no two a m and four a m so it was hard work, and Michael bridges was basically my my main pundit for it. So we spent the whole of that time together. Um and it was, yeah, it was, it was a little bit surreal and and a bit crazy. But I remember when we first met and I said to him, Oh, so like where where do your family live? Like where is like where's home? And he said, Oh, I actually live in Newcastle. And I was like, what? I was like, how do you and I didn't even get it because I didn't know there was a Newcastle in Australia. And he went, No. Newcastle it's like it's like about an hour away from here and I was like what the bloody hell yeah. um so yeah it's mad and his wife um Kate is actually a Geordie as well she's proper Geordie and like they they haven't lost their accent at all and they've been living in Australia now for about 12 years i think oh. um but yeah That's they're just nice. like just the nicest most down to earth amazing people and we had we had such a laugh working together I definitely couldn't have got through all those night shifts um Without without Bridgie and he was he's like a big kid still you know you know yeah. you um you hear about all these stories of like footballers when they've retired and you think oh I wonder what they're doing now what are they up to a lot of them haven't changed a lot from their playing days and I think yeah. Bridgie is, is one of those he's like I imagine a big it's a bubble
0: kid.
3: he is just a, he's just a big kid still there was there was one of the rest days of the tournament where you you, you live in this kind of tournament bubble throughout throughout a World Cup or a Euros or whatever tournament that you work on where everyone's sort of, you just live literally for the matches every single day and and you don't really get a break. And then the minute you get one of the rest days, it's like, yes, I can finally relax. Mm. And we got to the first rest day of the tournament and we thought, right, let's all get pissed because we've been working (laughs) so hard for this first three weeks without a break. Let's all go get drunk. So we had a few drinks and I, I was absolutely knackered. So I ended up going to bed early and Bridgie stayed out with one of the other the pundits that was working with us. And I just remember getting a knock on my room door that so it was so, and I put late in inverted commas because it was actually about midday, but like, <laughs> cause we'd only finished work at sort of 7am. It was that's late, you know? Yeah. So I'd already gone to sleep and I'm thinking, who the hell is this knocking on my door? I opened the door and it was Bridgie and the other pundit, the, the other Aussie guy who was working with us. And they were like, come out for another drink. And I was like, <laughs> Go away. I was literally like, I hate you guys. And so close the door. But that that's just what that's what he's like. He's just a big kid still. And he was just su- such a laugh to work with. So well, I think nice, he yeah. would he'd boost the morale of yeah. our a side team and we'd have a right laugh. So well,
2: that, that's great. Yeah. So moving away from lovely michael bridges you've got one mm-hmm. pick left and um you know as is the score on the show your your substitute alongside you uh cannot be a professional footballer so who have you gone for as your last pick
3: i have gone for <laughs> shot up all but a bang bang
2: this is right up there with my favorite pick for this um because the, there are so many things I love about this because Sean Paul might as well be called featuring Sean Paul uh, just because he's on so many things. And like, what hey, better Hey, hey, person? hey, give hey, him,
3: give him more credit than that, Jim.
2: Hey, hey come on. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a living legend, but he's, yeah. he just pops up everywhere. And I can't think of a more appropriate substitute because it's like Jules Breach's hey. 5 side team featuring Sean Paul who's just going <laughs> to pop up here and there.
3: That's so true. I, I didn't think of it like that, but now you put it that way. Absolutely, he'd provide the soundtrack for the team. We'd have we'd <laughs> have like a const- hype
2: man running the constant, whole time,
3: constant, constant big tunes from the sidelines. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what more could you? Who wouldn't want Sean Paul in their five-a-side team? It's
2: an amazing cheerleader. Like he would keep morale so so high, and you'd, I think you'd be energized by him. I would like to. I'd like to have Sean Paul just like approving of me in general in life, mm-hmm. and I think that's what you'd be getting from him. You know, that give you, you know a real what? boost.
3: I have a genuine Sean Paul story for you.
2: Tell me everything.
3: Right. So uh, I don't know if you know this, Jim. I don't know if we've ever spoken about this at at, at Ramble HQ when we've uh, come across each other, but mm. I actually grew up in Jamaica and yes. um, my family still live out there. And as a kid, I used to play tennis and all I did basically was play tennis, play in tennis tournaments. My whole life revolved around tennis. And when I was about... I must have been maybe about ten or eleven. I played in a very junior, crappy tennis tournament at my local club, and I won. And they said, "Oh, we've got a, we've got a local celebrity that's going to, you know, give out the tennis trophies and the medals today." Here we go. <laughs> it, was, it was Sean
2: Paul. Amazing.
3: <laughs> so Sean Paul gave me my first ever tennis trophy when I won this little tennis tournament
2: again. Just popping up. It's what he does.
3: Everywhere. He's everywhere. Featuring. Featuring Sean Paul, tennis featuring Sean Paul, <laughs> literally. So, um, so yeah, so that that's that was uh, one of the first celebrities I ever met as a kid. That's and, pretty um, brilliant. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? So, Sean Paul gave me my first ever tennis trophy. After that, he was he was like a he was obviously a celebrity in Jamaica way before he became an international hero. Um, And yeah, I I obviously grew up then listening to his music out in Jamaica. And then when I moved back to England, it was one of the like weird things where his music then started to come over to the UK and I felt like it was following me. And I was like, oh, (laughs) Sean Paul it's my like life the guy that gave me been the tennis trophy Sean Paul. yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly that so um yeah he's been he's been a constant in my life ever since I was I was a kid and so there's no way I could have a five a side team without him
2: yeah you know what I think he'd be pretty handy as well because um doing a bit of research on Sean Paul um I mean not that I don't have a general encyclopedic knowledge of Sean Paul <laughs> who doesn't uh, <laughs> but I thought I just you know dust off the, uh, the the annals of Sean Paul's life. He was professional, he, Jim. Well, exactly. He played for the Jamaican water polo team between the ages no, of thirteen and twenty one. So he's got, he's got a bit of athletic prowess. I think he stopped playing uh, when his music career started to, to take off and he had to sort of make a decision. So he, he, you know he's he's got some experience of sport. Um I, I think he'd I think he'd do a job. Again he's in his forties now but he's Sean Paul isn't he so I, I do, think he's sort you know of ageless. What?
3: I didn't know about the uh what was it water polo did you say? Yeah Jamaican water polo team I it sounds like know a sort Jamaica of sea water to polo running team. Yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um, well I obviously didn't know about that but I was more thinking about his on stage stamina Now right. as a as a musician all of those moves he's got to do on stage, you've got to be quite fit to be able yeah. to sing and pull off those dance moves at the same time. I know he only really moves his legs back and forth a little bit, but still. It's, isn't
2: that what football is? Well,
3: yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Moving your legs back
2: and forth a bit.
3: So I, I reckon, I reckon he'd be quite fit. And also, he's just appeared on Love Island, hasn't he? So he clearly— is he really? I missed that. Yeah, he was—he was on the the winter episode of Love Island that not as many people watched, um, and he did a random performance in the villa. So he's clearly looking for work. So I feel like <laughs> being my five aside cheerleader slash hype man slash substitute because I'm never going to play. Yeah, uh, I think he—I think he—he'd he'd, uh, take this opportunity with both hands.
2: And also if you win the tournament, he can present you another award. A nice bookend. <laughs>
3: exactly. Exactly. It's perfect. It's all it come really together. Is. I didn't even realise it would come together this well, but it has.
2: So with that in mind, um, obviously the you know, the, the post match drink is a really important part of the five side experience. And I'm for yeah. one, I'm fascinated about, you know, what Steve McNulty and Sean Paul are gonna talk about. But have you got a venue in mind? Obviously Sean's in charge of that, I would assume. You but follow the his lead, party. maybe. Yeah.
3: Oh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that based on and judging by the age and fitness levels of the majority of my team, I'm gonna say that they ain't gonna be bang up for for anything hardcore. I think, I think most of them are after a bit of five a side. They're ready to just chill out. Mm. So I'm gonna say we go to a traditional Jamaican jerk center. Nice. And we just all sit there with a red stripe in hand. I'll have a rum punch because I'm not a fan of beer. And yeah. we'll sit there, we'll drink rum, we'll drink Red Stripe, and we'll just chill out and relax and have some jerk chicken. And, and that's our after party. We we all just need a chill after yeah. after our five-a-side. That's, that's we're, not we're not fit anymore. Everyone's not. We're not ready to be kicking on yeah, and partying all night.
2: You've been, exactly. you've been working hard on the pitch. Yeah. Apart from you, you've been stood at the Apart side. Apart from me. But you know, that's, I've been doing your I've been working
3: on my voice. That's that's about <laughs> it. So a bit of a, a bit of liquid, nice bit of rum punch will sort me out right treat.
2: Lovely. Well, um, <laughs> thanks very much for coming on, Jules. That's an excellent addition to the Fantasy 5 side canon.
3: Was this a waste of time, Jim?
2: <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. It was, uh, it was, it was great. I think your team are going to do all right as well. Um, I thank think they'll you. surprise a few people. So, yeah, Jules, thank you very much for coming, coming on to the show. You can, uh, you can hear Jules on Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily on Tuesdays and obviously catch her on BT Sport and, and, and all over the place. You're everywhere, aren't you? So,
3: Thanks, Jim. Thanks yeah. for having me. It's been a real laugh.
2: Thanks for coming on. Cheers, Jules, and see you later, everyone.
3: Bye.
4: This was a Stakhanov production.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a
3: place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50